Why even bother playing role-playing games? I mean, aren't there basically loads of games you could be playing that are a heck of a lot easier to get into? Why not just play a computer game? Why not just play a board game? Come to that. What is it about RPGs that means that we'd even bother? If you say the real life fills up your days and you don't have time to play, well, midlife is the best time to start a new role-playing phase. And you need a rescue. Jay's coming at you with a rescue. A role-play rescue. Jay's gonna help my friend. Let's sit down to My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, Rescuers. Back again at the mic, and this one's another one that's a little bit off the cuff. To be honest with you, there's two things going on here. The first is that mm, I'm running right up to the end of term, and I'm kind of low on time. And to be honest with you, I'm also a little bit low on energy. And so I decided I'd just sit at the mic and share something that's been on my mind for a while. But secondly, you know what, I've had some really interesting call-ins and I wanted to share those, talk about them, and I think that might prompt a little bit of the direction I want to go in with this episode. So, here it is, without any further ado. This is Season 5, Episode 9, Eight Types of Fun. Che, Andy Goodman here, a voice from the past, at least last August. Um, Yeah, well, I've got a... Anchor podcast now, as of last week, and it's all down to you. So, um, if anyone finds my wittering annoying or tedious, it's all your fault. What a lovely call in. Andy, thanks for calling in. Brilliant to hear from you. And I'm glad that you've finally taken the plunge and gone for your own podcast. You've got a lovely voice, mate. Um, and I actually had a listen to the first couple of episodes. So for those who don't know, Andy Goodman is the host of Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks podcast here on Anchor and at the moment available on Anchor and I hope very very soon he's going to hit the button to get it published everywhere. I listened to your first episode of Return to Gaming and to be honest with you mate it was absolutely fascinating. It was wonderful to hear and I really hope you're going to keep it up. I know I've got three more to listen to as I sit here today I'm looking forward to diving in. So Andy, thanks for calling in. Thanks for letting me know because I would have missed it. And yeah, welcome to the Anchor community, man. Game on. Hi, Che. It's Goblin Tension here. Just a quick voice message about the retrospective episode you just did. Going back to the episode where you talked about um, taking it back to basics. And um, I think of all the podcasts I listened to last year, that's probably one of my favourites. Not just of yours, but of the sort of wider body of podcasts I've listened to. I think I plugged on MeWe and even gave it a mention on Colin Green's podcast at one point. Um, just a couple of follow-on points. I think one of the things you mentioned was the lethality of your current campaign. I'm sure it's occurred to you, but you could, of course, um, give the characters a bit more, you know, give them a bit more higher level, just give them a bit more durability. But of course, if they're doing stupid things like trying to jump over a pit of lava and missing, well, there's not much you can do about that. Um, also, what else was it? Oh, yes. I think you talked a little bit about 
finding someone else's module a bit sort of intimidating and hard to digest or just finding a bit unmanageable, that wall-to-wall text. Well, here's two ideas for you. One has, the first idea is this, and it's it's got about 1% chance or less, probably less than 1% chance of landing, because it really is a niche within a niche, within a niche, which is probably... Which is probably where, where <laughs> it's probably my my jam. But anyway, there we go. Um, the idea is that y- you can use spreadsheets to present module information in a super compact fashion. I have a video about it on YouTube. So basically, if you take an adventure like the Halls Untoward, which is one I did, uh, it has about 60, 70, sort of eighty encounter adventure encounter locations. And using a spreadsheet, you can get that down to basically one page. You basically have a map. And there's the background of the image of this, the Excel spreadsheet and then pop-ups tell you what's in each room. So, you know, I know people don't like computers at the table. Probably fewer people like the idea of using Excel. So I think the chance of that being something that interests you um, is probably low. But uh, it's certainly a way of um, organising your notes in a really simple way. And the second idea, at the risk of um, saying like a goblin henchman plug vest, which I guess it's sort of going that way, but of course that's where my, you know, I know my stuff, so it's what occurs to me. But um, I did write an, well, I didn't write it, yes, well, I did write it. I wrote an adventure back in 1988, and I found my notes, uh, found my notes in, a, in a, an old ring binder in loft in uh, probably about 2016, and I, I basically wrote it up. Well, I posted one, one room a day on G+, and then eventually I put it out as a PDF on drive-through, and it's called The 1988 Dungeon. And uh, because it was something I used at the table, the uh, the banks of notes are very, you know, there's not walls and walls of notes. Each room is probably a paragraph. Now, it's uh, written for AD&D, so it would need some adaptation. It's also um, a, <laughs> certainly a dungeon of its time, so it's, it can be lethal, and there's no dungeon ecology or anything like that. Um, so, and probably, especially one section of it is very lethal, but probably need to be third or fourth level AD&D style character, you know, five or six of them to, to sort of have any reasonable chance of succeeding. Anyway, um, I thought I'd just throw that out there for you, um, you know, enjoying the podcast, keep it up. Cheers, fella. I really fancy the 1988 adventure, mate. That sounds great. Thanks for calling in, Mr. Henchman. I uh, I don't know what to make of the Excel thing. You know what? I do a similar thing with uh, Microsoft OneNote. I have my image and I hand annotate actually a lot of the time um, with my iPad and the Apple Pencil. And sometimes I get on the computer and I kind of type up annotations. But yeah, similar thing, image and notes around it. And I find that quite effective, especially in the Dungeons of Thal. Um yeah, I, I don't know about Excel, um, but you're right. It's certainly a work, workable solution. Maybe there's somebody out there who'll find that useful. I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of scared of spreadsheets, mate. Hi, Jay. It's been a while since I've called in. This is Ray Otis. I'm starting to envy your idea of doing seasons with little breaks in between because I've had a very busy time lately and some sickness, and so I feel like I'm falling behind on both podcasting and listening to podcasts, and it'd be great if I could have structured that as an actual break, but oh well. Hey, uh, you were talking about fighting fantasy as an introduction to role-playing, and I think that's an interesting thought, the game books specifically. Um 
I don't think the fighting fantasy game books are exactly role-playing games because they miss the try-anything nature of role-playing. However, I, I agree with you that they are a good introduction, and here's why. Um, as you play through fighting fantasy, you fairly quickly get frustrated with the choices that are given to you because you think, well, I would, you know, there's choice A, B, and C, but I would do D. So where's that choice? It also leads you into speculating about, you know, what you make your choice and you think, okay, now that I made my choice, what would have happened if I'd made the other choice? And I honestly think those books are a little better when you cheat. Um, there's something about the five finger approach to them, you know, the five finger bookmark approach to them that is more like role playing than playing through them straight. If you've ever played through them on your phone, which I have with the new apps, it's a little unsatisfying just because it, the endings are so abrupt. If you, you if you channel yourself into choices, there is a free play mode where you can kind of do that retracing, but there's something about that idea of looking at alternate paths and considering, well, what would happen if this, if I did this instead of any of the choices on the page that gives you an inkling of what can happen in a role-playing game. And it's a bridge into seeing what is possible. And in that sense, I think it is a good introduction. I was so pleased to receive this call in. So First of all, thank you, Ray, for calling in. It's Ray Otis of Plundergrounds podcast and obviously Plunderground Zine as well. Ray, you just hit something really close to my heart, actually. And you helped me realise something about Fighting Fantasy. For those who aren't regular listeners, I've recently been replaying the Fighting Fantasy game books. And I, in a previous episode, recommended them as a great starting point, as Ray mentioned and I think Ray's on to something when he says that there's t- those two things. The thing about flipping back through pages, you know, the five-finger bookmark thing, um, that actually is about beginning to explore the other options. And it puts the finger on, for me, what is one of the greatest points of engagement with role-playing games, and that being the try-anything, the making choices. I think that making choices is kind of at the key of role-playing games, but making choices within the context of being able to try any choice that sort of fits the reality of the world that you're working in, that is key. And Ray, I just thank you for kind of reminding me of that through this call-in. And when I put this call-in alongside the next two, I end up with a really interesting kind of line of thought that I want to explore. Let's dive into the other two calls. Hey, Jay, this is Rudy from RPG Retrofit. Uh, that was a great episode um, with your thoughts on uh, the open table sort of concept at the school. And um, it's interesting. That's really cool. I can I, I, I totally get your apprehension on, you know, putting out posters that say, join the D&D club and then you're not actually running D&D, you know. And I, and I get it sort of, it's almost like... It can be sort of looked at as like, oh, D&D is like Kleenex. It's like a brand that also sort of, you know, acts as the name of the activity. But I would also feel kind of weird about it. But that's cool that you're going to look at Essentials, maybe maybe revisit it. And uh, best of luck with that. And as far as um, you said sharing your that um, mega dungeon you're working on, I'd love to see that. So any way you can figure that out, I'm sure we'd all love to check that out. All right. Good luck, my friend. We'll see you next time. What's going on, Shay? My name is Richard. I just wanted to stop by and let you know how much I've been enjoying your content um, here recently. I wish I remember the episode 
but as the one you're talking about rules light systems and you didn't seem to be much of a fan of them so i think there's definitely a time and place and group for those systems but coming from the gm perspective they make life so much easier as a person that balances family work and school um, having a rules like system that I don't have to dedicate a lot of time to uh, has been a blessing. Uh, the system I have been running is called Kids on Bikes, and it's been a blast. Well, let me know what you think. Otherwise, keep up the great work, and I'll keep on listening. So on the surface of it, you might be wondering, well, what line of thought are you on about there, Webster? And yeah, okay, they seem like three disparate calls, apart from the fact that I've got fantastic people calling in and talking about the show. Before we go to my line of thought, I just want to say thank you to Rudy and also to Richard Hill for calling in. It's great to hear from you both. I think certainly Richard is a first-time caller, and I think Rudy might be too. I'm not entirely sure, and if I got that wrong, I'm really sorry, Rudy. Um, But it's great to have you call in, and, you know, brilliant that you were appreciating something finding something interesting in in what i've been saying before um i'm really glad you're going to keep listening it's just so important to me that um you know we engage as a community so yeah ray was talking about finding fantasy and the idea of the heart of role playing really being about uh, making choices to try anything and the finding fantasy yes it has that limitation and partly that answered the question I asked at the start of this episode. Why not go and play computer games? Well, honestly, you don't want to go and play computer games if you want to be able to try anything. Because computer games are completely limited by what the programmers could imagine. Rudy's call was uh, reminding me about the open table, but also about this question of what Dungeons & Dragons is. Or more precisely, what the role-playing game hobby is. And that reminded me of something that is in a book by the Angry GM called Game Angry, um, where he kind of explains what role-playing games are, and he does talk about D&D and Pathfinder, but he he much more clearly outlines what they're about than probably any game product I've come across. Anyway, I slightly digress. The thought that occurred to me was this idea of what is it at the heart of role-playing games? What is it that defines Dungeons & Dragons and all of the derivatives? And yeah, great question. And that led then on to the third call, and Richard. And Richard was mentioning you know, my apparent dislike for rules like games. And that led me on to, well, why is it that I don't like rules like games? Or well, actually, it's not that I don't like them. It's just that they're not my preference. And I'm I'm really pleased that Richard is himself enjoying Kids on Bikes. And I loathe, I know, absolutely know that Ray is a massive fan of like Rules Light 2. I rather suspect that a lot of my listeners, especially in the Anchorite community, are themselves not fans of the sort of games that I like to play. And that led me into the thought about why. Why is it that we all have such disparate, different tastes? And of course, you can be quite platitudinal about it. You can say, well, we're all different people. We're all unique. But actually, there is something I wanted to share that actually kind of helps to explain it. And to do that, I think I need to take a trip back to a previous episode, the Three Voices episode, where I discussed the eight types of fun. And I kind of want to just share something and then talk about it in a bit more depth. I want to read you something. It's quite a lengthy extract from a fantastic book 
The book is called Game Angry, How to RPG the Angry Way by Scott the Angry GM Ream. And it was published, I believe, in 2018, just at the tail end of last year. Now, Game Angry is a book about basically how to get into role-playing games. Um, it has a fantastic kind of introduction. I'm just flipping through the pages here, uh, introducing you to what world role-playing games are in a way that is actually quite practical and helpful, unlike many products. Um, and then gets into the basics of playing, and then at the back into some more sort of advanced stuff. Now, the chapter I want to read from is from part three. Part three is entitled Running Less Worse Games. And I'm reading from chapter eight, The Heart of the Game. I actually want to do a completely separate um, episode on the first part of this chapter, which is all about the three beating hearts of a role-playing game. But actually, the third beating heart, well, that's engagement with your players. And I'd just like to read what is actually quite a lengthy section from the book, starting on page 82 through to page 85, which I know sounds really scarily long. Anyway, let's dive in, see what you make of this. Quote, an engagement with your players. Let's talk about fun. Fun is a stupid, terrible word that a lot of GMs like to throw around. They say stupid things like, as long as everyone is having fun, you're running a good game. Or, your job is to make sure everyone is having fun. That's terrible advice. Partly because it doesn't tell you how to actually do anything. How do you make people have fun anyway? But mostly, it's terrible advice because games aren't always fun. And they shouldn't always be. Imagine you're playing a game like Dark Souls. And though you actually like that kind of thing, you're fighting Ornstein and Smoth. They've killed you a hundred times already, but this time is different. You've already killed off Ornstein. Smoth is almost dead. Problem is... You've got one tiny little sliver of health left and no healing Estus to drink. Smoth is stomping and charging around. You dodge roll. He swings. You dodge again. He stomps. You make six perfectly timed dodges in a row and you manage to get behind him. You land your last attack and he's dead. You won. Now, that's not the sort of thing you describe as fun. It was tense as hell. You are probably trying to keep your hands from shaking. You're probably hyperventilating too. You might need to take a break for a moment. Calm down. Yeah, that's not fun. But you were invested. You cared about the outcome. It was all you cared about. Your house could have been burning down around you and you wouldn't have even noticed. That's engagement. Engagement happens when you're engrossed in the game you're playing. You're emotionally invested. You're feeling something, and you can't tear yourself away. It might be fun, sure, but it might also be tension or fear or sadness or excitement or joy. The actual emotion doesn't matter. The fact that you're having any emotions at all is the important part. As a GM, your job is to keep the players engaged with the game. You want them interested in the outcome. You want them caring about the game. And you want you caring about the game too. Because if you're not emotionally invested in the game you're running, you're not going to run a great game. The problem is, you just can't wave a magic wand and make people feel emotions. The only thing you can do is make a game that will cause people to feel emotions. 
and that means understanding why people play games at all. Different people play games for different reasons. Some people play games because they like a challenge. They like to win. Some people play games for the stories and the characters. They like to get emotionally involved in the lives of people they care about. Some people play games because they want to spend time with their friends. They don't care what the game is, as long as they're doing it with other people. How do you create and maintain engagement? Well, that's tricky. Every player has a different mental itch that they are looking to scratch with role-playing games. And to scratch those itches, you have to first know what those itches are. And it seems like there should be as many itches as there are people, right? No. As it turns out, there's only eight major itches people use games to scratch. More or less. And a group of game design academics figured out the list back in 2001 as part of a game design system called the MDA Design Approach. They wrote a paper about it. It's actually a pretty interesting read, and it's become pretty much an accepted part of the academic study of video game design over the last decade and a half. In short, it works. So what are the eight mental itches, what they call engagements, that games can scratch? Glad you asked. Challenge. People who like challenge want to compete. They want a game they can win or lose, and they want it to be fair. Players who really get into action scenes and who care how powerful their characters are usually like a challenge, as does any player who wants to win the adventure at any cost. Discovery. People who like discovery want to explore the game and the world the game takes place in. They want to uncover all the secrets, explore every room, understand every system and find every hidden treasure. Players who leave no stone unturned, who ask a lot of questions and insist on visiting every room in the dungeon are in it for discovery. Expression. Players who want to express themselves want to show off their creative side. They like to create things that are unique to them and share them with others. Players who get really into character creation are probably expression lovers, especially if they like playing unique and unusual characters and writing elaborate backstories from them. If they focus on showing off their creative side, they are after expression. Fantasy. Fantasy lovers want to escape into another world. They want to be their characters and lose themselves in the imaginary world. Players who spend a lot of time interacting with the other characters in the world and like to play out the day-to-day routines in their characters' lives are likely fantasy seekers, especially if they want to act out every shopping trip. Fellowship. Fellowship is engagement you feel when you're doing something with other people. Players who like fellowship are happy just being part of a group. In fact, they often seem like they aren't engaged with the game at all. That's because they are just there to hang out with their friends. Narrative. Narrative seekers love a good story. It's not about being part of the story, though. It's about the story itself. All the stuff that makes a movie good. Well-written characters, understandable motivations, a solid beginning, an exciting climax, and a strong ending. That's what they want in their game. Sense pleasure. Sense pleasure is a pleasure people get from seeing, hearing, and touching cool stuff. Art, miniature figures, maps, stuff like that. You know the people who really get into graphics and music and video games. Well, they're after sense pleasure. 
Admittedly, sense pleasure doesn't play a big role in RPGs, but between the art and the maps and the figures and the dice, there is some. But likely, players who are most interested in sense pleasure are watching movies or playing video games, not exploring your imaginary world. Submission People who like submission like to lose themselves in mindless, repetitive things. They just want to shut their brains off for a little while and relax. They are drawn to simple quests and dungeon crawls with lots of low-power mooks to mow down and lots of treasure to pile up. Being an engaging host Now that you understand why people play games, you can tailor your game to your particular players. How? Well, first you have to figure out what your players want out of your game. And that means watching your players. What seems to get them most excited? What parts of the game do they really sit up and pay attention to? What game activities do they spend most time on? This is like a kind of logic puzzle. Is a player who just goes with the flow more into submission or fellowship? Does the player who spends all their time talking to NPCs care more about discovery, fantasy or narrative? There's no simple test you can give your players. Don't try. Trust me. People don't know themselves very well and you are better off trusting what they do than what they say. You just have to be observant. Keep a list of the engagements that come up at your table. Once you've got a solid list, create game situations that play into those engagements and see if the players respond. Some situations are easier than others. Submission seekers like straightforward adventures and easy fights. Challenge seekers like difficult fights and complex challenges. Fantasy seekers care more about being in the world. Discovery seekers want to understand the world. Narrative seekers want to understand the story. There's no science to this. You just have to feel it out. But it'll help you tailor your experience to your players. And yourself. Yeah, you have to be engaged too. You run the game for reasons. Do you like creating a unique world or creating a functioning world? That'll tell you whether you care more about expression or fantasy. Do you love running tough combats? It might be a challenge seeker yourself who has just learned to deal with the fact that you're never allowed to win. Doesn't stop you from trying. As you get to know your players' engagements and your own, you'll be able to build a game that everyone can engage with, not just one people can have fun with. End quote. <laughs> having read that I just wanted to ask the question well what is it that kind of gets me going with gaming why do I like role-playing games and many of those eight engagements the eight types of fun really do sort of ring true to me but the first three were actually the ones I think I've already expressed before at the heart of what I like personally I like a challenge and for me, I realized, just kind of thinking about it this week and off the back of Richard's call, that one of the reasons I like games that aren't light on rules is because I really like challenge. And for me to have a challenge, a game which I can win or lose and which is fair, and a game which offers me detailed action scenes and kind of challenging combat, tactical combat, I actually need a little bit more depth to my rules. I, it's not enough for me to have something abstracted. You know, I kind of need and want really to use battle maps and miniatures and have that tactical challenge. And that also tacks in with a secondary feeling for me, which is about sense pleasure. 
I like toy soldiers and I like maps and stuff like that. And it, it really is a bit of a, a an itch I want scratching. The second thing I want from my games is discovery, which is why I as a GM run an awful lot of dungeons and I'm starting to get interested in hex crawls. I also like an element of mystery. Uh, those three big kind of uh, game structures really appeal to me. Um, but I fully recognize that might not be the case for you. But, you know, this type of fun that, that really brings me to the table and I find that a lot of the players who are attracted to my table they want to discover expression probably explains why I'm a GM the most players who want to express themselves want to show off their creative side for me being a GM allows me to do that to really delve in to really kind of dive in and um interestingly yeah when I'm a player I get into character creation if you listen to my solo games you'll spend a lot of time listening to me roll up characters because I love doing that that's expression that's all that part of stuff you know it really is an important thing to me expressing my creativity now yes fantasy dead interested fellowships dead important to me being with other people and gamers but narrative, not so much. Not in the sense of creating a good story. I'm not the kind of player who, and the kind of GM at all who's going to create a movie-like or novel-like experience for you. I just like watching films and TV series and reading books, and I get my kick out of that. I'm not going to be the guy who plots a tale. I'm uh, interested in the emergent narrative, and that comes really, I think, more from my interest in discovery. Finally, I guess there's the submission, and I kind of want to bring more to the game than often my players want, I think. And recently I've recognized that submission, the desire to have something that isn't too taxing on a Friday night or a Saturday night, that is actually at the heart of what people want. So for me, this whole MDA theory and the eight types of fun, it rings true. I'm hoping that you understand where I'm coming from. And I'm hoping that maybe it rings true to you too. I don't know. But um, yeah, all of this came out of those calls. And I want to say again, thank you to the guys calling in. I kind of have a feeling, a really tricky sub, um, kind of understanding and feeling within me that maybe you guys aren't following my train of thought. But hey, whatever. It's my podcast, right? Game on. Rescue! Realising I'm low on time and... Well... Yeah, I've been wittering a bit. Um, what can I do to bring this back to you? Well, let me ask you, which of the eight types of fun is it that you're kind of looking for in your hobby? I'm not saying this is the be-all and end-all by any means. I don't think that's Scott's idea either. But when it comes to it, why are you at the gaming table? Are you seeking challenge? Are you out for discovery? Are you seeking expression? Do you desire fantasy? Is it just fellowship? narrative do you want to tell a great story is it there sends pleasure is it something that's important to you or are you there just to have some submission and enjoy yourself in the mindless kind of brain off game i don't know i just feel like there's something here that might give a clue as to why people choose the games they they play the game systems the game structures and the worlds they play if you're looking for a rich, immersive world, then, you know, I guess you want a fantasy and maybe you're into exploration. If you are really bothered about character interaction, there's probably a lot going on there in terms of both narrative and also in terms of expression. I don't know quite 
where to go with this next, but I was wondering what your thoughts were. Do you have a view on this? What do you make of it all? Am I just entirely crazy and completely off the base? I don't know. Um, give us a call. Get on the Anchor app, drop me a message, record something on your phone and email it to me at hello at rpgrescue.com or drop me an email or whatever. I, I just want to hear your viewpoint. Please let me know what you think. <laughs> And that's about it for what feels like a completely mismatched, weird kind of mashup of uh, off-the-cuff episode. My apologies if it doesn't come together in a very coherent way. But I have to say a massive thank you to my callers. Thank you to Andy and Ray and Rudy and Richard. Fantastic to hear from you all. And I really, really do thank you for your time and your, your thoughts, really. You've inspired something. I'm not entirely sure it's very coherent, but... Thank you. Thank you also to all of my fantastic Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash RPG Rescue. And if you fancy joining them, you know, drop in a dollar in the old tip jar, please hop onto Patreon and come and join the community. Without those guys, I really wouldn't be doing this. Thank you all. And finally, thank you to you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to me whittle on a bit and, you know bothering to give me the time of day really i guess i better at the end say thank you to two other people too first of all to the angry gm himself scott the angry gm ream who wrote the fantastic book game angry which is available via his angry games website it's the angrygm.com a final thank you because i haven't said this in a while also to tj drennan the man behind the music that is roleplay rescue and with that I bid you adieu. I am Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. And I'll see you again on the flip side. Game on.